The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Gork's Red FM. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Big Red Bench Women in Sport Podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy McCarthy, and you can follow me on my Instagram and Twitter accounts at JerMcCarthy74. This week's guests include Big Red Bench Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie is back for another Formula One weekly segment to preview the Barcelona Grand Prix. I get the thoughts of Cork Camogie senior star Amy O'Connor and senior manager Matthew Toomey ahead of this weekend's Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Senior Camogie Championship opener with Wexford. I was in Fraherfield in Dungarvan at last weekend's Munster LGFA semi-final between Cork and Waterford. Manager Shane Ronane, Captain Marl Callan and a host of other Cork players gave the Big Red Bench their reaction to reaching this year's Munster final, a trip to Killarney to take on Kerry. And this week's special guest is Munster Women's Masters Hockey Chairperson Michelle O'Brien, who joins us for a recap of Munster's fantastic successes at last weekend's Masters Hockey Interpro Tournaments at Harlequins and Gary Duff. That's all to come on this week's Women in Sport podcast. The Big Red Bench's Women in Sport podcast Formula One expert Sarah McKenzie joins me on this week's episode to discuss the new Formula W series, a roundup of what happened at the Irish National Finals of the F1 in Schools competition this past weekend in Galway, and a full Barcelona Grand Prix preview. Can science continue to improve and can Leclerc avoid white line fever for Ferrari? Are there quiet hints about Mercedes' promise coming from Hamilton and the team, but can they produce a performance this weekend? What about McLaren? Can they be more consistent and can Mick Schumacher score his first Formula One points? Let's find out. It's that time of the week again where we are joined by our resident Formula One expert, Sarah McKenzie, here on the Big Red Bench to talk to a lot of topics, including the Barcelona GP preview. Sarah, how are you? Yeah, great. Excited to be uh, back and chatting uh, motorsports as always. Yes, we do miss it the weekend it's off, don't we? It's a bit kind of weird, you know, we feel like we should be watching it around the clock. But um, exactly, we're not short of things to talk, thankfully. Um, before we get to the Barcelona GP, something you wanted to talk about with quite a while and something I'm very interested in myself is the W Series. So simple uh, for people who don't know, what is it and how does it work? Yeah, so we've touched on it a couple of times briefly. Um, and essentially it's a free-to-enter single-seater spec racing championship and what that means is all the cars are the same as far as the mechanics. So it's supposed to bring the competition down to the essence of racing, which is obviously the abilities of each individual driver. And it's been running since 2019. They didn't have races in 2020 due to COVID. So there's actually only been two seasons so far. And British racer Jamie Chadwick has won both of them, actually. Um, it's, a, it's a feeder series, technically, for Formula One, which just essentially means that it's possible to move from the W series into Formula One or into another feeder series such as F2 which is where the majority of drivers come from at the minute and the goal of the W series kind of medium to long term is to produce a female F1 driver by 2020 Mm. and this year they have 10 races in total we've already seen two of those that took place in Miami and actually Jamie Chadwick won both of those as well um, but kind of across the grid there's women that have quite a bit of racing under their belt but there's also women that have come straight from karting so there is a real kind of mix of uh, of racing experience there which is great to see. Just how good is Jamie Chadwick, um, uh, Sarah because I've, I've heard of her mm-hmm. name a couple of times outside of the W Series and I'm just fascinated to see like as we have mentioned before right, that it is the same kind of uh, raw material that the drivers are using but we also kind of think segued off into the whole money side of things and that that's really mm. what, what drives. Does somebody like Chadwick, because she's clearly a talented driver, if she was to go on and dominate the W Series, what are her chances of making it in? Yeah, so I think there's a couple of things that would need to change there. There's the money. There's also, 
you know, the the reality of calling the W Series a feeder into F1. I think it's, it's not realistic at all to expect someone to jump from W Series into Formula One. What I do absolutely think they could do is have her go from W Series into either F3 or probably even F2. And from there, then she could use that as a sort of uh, a catapult into Formula One. She's hugely talented. I think the other piece about her is she has very, clearly like very strong mentally and just sort of has this understated um, sort of uh, sort of aura about her. She's very kind of powerful, very talented, and she's she's just a great ambassador for women's racing generally. So I absolutely think she could make it, but I think she needs a couple of things to change. And I think she would definitely need a lot of support behind her because it's going to be very hard being the only, you know, whoever the first full-time female F1 driver is, that's going to be a really hard pedestal to be put up on. It is, but it's also a lucrative one, Sarah, and it would open the doors. You would hope that in future that, you know, teams may may have to, much like they deal with, in American football, there's the Rooney rule about uh, minorities mm-hmm. being allowed just to interview for jobs. That's how bad it is. But like in this mm-hmm. instance, if Chadwick is fast enough, she's in a decent car and she, sh- she shows that she's fast, she's quick, and she obviously has bags of talent, then there's no reason. Why, why in the name of God wouldn't she uh, progress on to even try to test for a Formula 1 team? Would that be the likeliest step next, do you think? I know there has been, um, some women have driven cars probably in private testing in the past, but is, is it is an F1 tester probably the next step up when you consider all the talent on the fringes of the Formula 1 uh, championship at the moment? Yeah, so she's currently a test driver for Williams, which is definitely a good start. Um, I do think, though, you know, we've seen this, with drivers across the years people that are sort of development drivers and never actually make that step up into the the real seat I think that's where she would need that extra bit of support where it's so it's almost sort of like it trying to find a reason not to give it to her Mm. you know put it in that um kind of frame of of light and and just give her a shot I absolutely think she should get a chance and you know, 2022 now, they've got eight years to get somebody into F1 if they want to meet their 2030 goal. I think that it needs to start sooner rather than later because this is going to take a couple of years to, um, to you know, kind of manage that transition. And I think the sooner they start, the better. Indeed. And I, I do. I remember just reading up on her recently, um, Olympian Caitlyn Jenner's name popped out as the, as the, the mm. backer of her team. So maybe money won't be a problem. But I suppose just the final point on this, we don't want to kind of harp on too much about one individual driver, but it's clear Chadwick has an unbelievable talent. And the, I only mm. saw highlights of how she won her second of two races already in the mm. W Series. They're all in the same um in, in the same machines. They're all the same kind of more or less the same setups. Um, is Formula mm. 3 then a next step? Is that a more likely step for her? So the cars are the cars are essentially the same uh, with a couple of differences between the two series. So I personally think that that would make a great transition. I think even if she did a year in Formula Three and as long as she put in a really solid performance, if she could then get into an F two team, I think that would be ideal. You know, this is if she if she were it's very early in the W series season, but if she were to win it again for a third year, it's gonna like I said become harder and harder to find a reason not to give her a shot. I think. Indeed, I think we're going to be talking with Jamie Chadwick before the season is out. That's my hope anyway. We want to keep an eye on her and the W mm-hmm. Series, but that was good to get that uh, up-to-date roundup on it. Right, closer to home, um, you wanted to speak mm. about F1 in schools and what happened at the Irish National Finals uh, in Galway this past weekend. Yeah, exactly. So I actually had the pleasure of interviewing the girls from Laurel Hill Racing 
back in March. They're one of the teams that were involved in the finals. And for those who don't know, F1 in Schools is a, a global initiative. It's open to students aged between 9 and 19. And essentially the challenge is for them to create and run an, a Formula 1 team, a dummy Formula 1 team. And that's everything from designing, engineering a car, to running social media, all things like that. And the goal is to introduce more kids to the STEM opportunities that are available in motorsport. And the girls from Laurel Hill actually took second place for the engineering category and they were nominated for a social media marketing award as well. So definitely wanted to give them a shout out and say well done. And I suppose uh, even closer to home, there was exciting news for Corkonians as well because St. Coleman's College from Formoy actually took first place overall in the competition and they're going out to the world finals in Silverstone in July. So that's really, really wow. exciting for them as well. That is very exciting. We're going to keep an eye on that too. Uh, and that's brilliant mm-hmm. and a very, very good and a smart initiative. Um, yeah. J- just for, for that particular age group as well. I think it's great. Like, and it gives them a, a real focus and you might find a gem or two along the way and who knows what might come of it. Um, so mm-hmm. that's excellent. And hopefully that, 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 uh, that development will continue uh, next year and beyond in F1 in schools. Um, it's that time of the week again where I get to name out the top five drivers and constructors. And as I said, we will continue to do this on the Big Red Bench until at such time as there's a Ferrari not on top, which may well not be for much longer. <laughs> but before we talk about Barcelona, the Barcelona GP, the top five in the drivers, current F1 driver standings in fifth place is Carlos Sainz Jr. in a Ferrari on 53 points. George Russell in the Mercedes. Mr. Consistency in the surprise package of this year on 59. Uh, Sergio Perez in a Red Bull on 66. Some lad named Verstappen, you may have heard of him, in a Red Bull on 85. And at the top, isn't it lovely to see that there, he said on a podcast, Charles Leclerc uh, in the Ferrari on 104, but uh, not too much longer, I don't think. And when you take a look at the Constructors' Championship, the top five as well. Alfa Romeo on 31 points in fifth place. It's great to see them there. McLaren on 46. Mercedes on 95 in third. Second place, Red Bull on 151. And huge miles ahead uh, six points clear our uh, Ferrari on 157 before we talk about the Barcelona GP um Sarah it's obviously whenever I see the Barcelona GP coming up I'm, I'm, I'm it's not one that grabs my attention that much simply because and tell me I'm wrong so many teams test there um is there any mm. real surprises that can come about because of it yeah it's a good point I think I was kind of looking at the stats for the, the Spanish Grand Prix in preparation for our chat and it's really the stats would sort of underline that I mean it's been a stronghold for Mercedes Lewis Hamilton has won every year consistently since 2017 and actually aside from himself it's just Verstappen and Alonso on the grid who were the only other two to have won the Spanish Grand Prix in the last 10 years it doesn't you know it doesn't sort of bring us that much variety but I think again you know Harking back to the fact that we have entirely almost new machines this year, we've had a lot of um, sort of upset and, you know, there's reliability issues for certain teams. So I think really this year you never know. And, you know, you kind of have to hope that you're going to get the uh, the maximum level of excitement every weekend at the stage. Yeah, well, you've done your best to sell it there. No, no, I'm going to watch it. So thanks for that. Really good. <laughs> um, let's talk Ferrari, he said, uh, pointedly, being a Ferrari fan. Science, uh, will he continue to improve? And what about Charles Leclerc? Yeah, I think, you know, Carlos Sainz definitely put in a more positive, I would say, weekend overall in Miami. So he's definitely going to be hoping to repeat, if not improve on that. I think 
like Claire we've talked about before he's made you know a couple of mistakes I don't know if you saw he crashed Nicky Lauda's 1974 Ferrari in a demo run earlier this week in Monaco I cried I didn't want to bring that up but I cried yes (laughs) yeah I think he's I don't know what it is I don't know what it is truly um, but I think he just needs a bit of consistency in terms of uh, not getting overexcited maybe but Let's see. I think, you know, there's there's still potential for a lot of development this season, despite mm. the top two teams seeming. I think there's a lot to, to still look forward to. So we'll see what Barcelona can produce. We will. That's very diplomatic of you. No, I'm contractually obligated because you're our F1 expert to talk about Lewis Hamilton. That was in your initial contract. <laughs> so what's this about? Hints and rumours of a possible Mercedes upgrade or promise? Yeah, so he posted on Instagram over the weekend about the amount of work the team has been putting into making the car better. And there's sort of been more general chat about the Mercedes team gaining improved understanding of why the performance of the car varied so much in Miami. Because they obviously did have some purple patches there, but they didn't really understand then the difference between why it was great and the times when it wasn't. So I think, you know, these are the smartest people, um, some of the smartest people in sport working on on these cars. And I think I'd be surprised if they weren't able to to get a bit more data and hopefully use it this weekend. Um, But that being said, it is a short turnaround, but, you know, never say never. And I think both drivers seem to be a bit more upbeat now than they were maybe a couple of races ago. They're starting to see small glimpses of what they could potentially produce if they get a bit more out of the car. Yeah, I'd agree with you on that. I think they're the one team and the two drivers that if they get that performance boost would make a significant dent to the top two, especially Ferrari. Um, but I'm hearing this week after a week, Sarah, I, I've yet to believe. Hopefully I'll be proven proven right this weekend. I know, we'll see. I'll keep hoping anyway. <laughs> I know you will. I'll keep hoping the opposite as a Ferrari fan. Um, finally, <laughs> McLaren, um, a team that need the consistency. And what about Mick Schumacher? We've been talking about him now nearly every week. He got the performance, it didn't work out the way he wanted. But does he really need to get some points on the board this weekend? Yeah, 100%. I think if he can manage it, um, it would be a, a big sort of underscore for the promise that he showed last weekend. Obviously, you know, you could call it again a sort of not rookie error, but a young driver error. I think he he needs that boost at this point, And he was so close last weekend. As far as McLaren, I think they've just been very inconsistent. And unfortunately, this year, that just isn't working out for teams. You know, it's, it's hard for them because there's so much has changed. But definitely, if both drivers could have solid qualifying and get some decent points, I think that would help them a lot. Indeed it would. It promises to be an interesting one, um, even though they do tra- uh, practice there a lot and there's so many different uh, behind-closed-doors tests and everything. Barcelona, I don't know if there's anything new to come from, but it's always a, an interesting spectacle in this fantastic city anyway. So who knows, but um, hopefully Ferrari can keep uh, Max Verstappen and that Red Bull at bay for another bit. I don't know if, he'll be able, if they'll be able to manage it or not, but it, it, as we said, look, it's 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 been a far more interesting championship thus far than I thought it was going to be. And I think that's not just because... Uh, Mercedes are lacking power and a Ferrari are a surprise package I just think that it just seems to be a bit more interesting than I hoped for and it's got my attention and as long as it's that way and we don't have Verstappen driving off into the distance I think we've got a good championship lined up for the next couple of weeks and months um, Absolutely and Yeah, indeed Now, before we go where can we find you Sarah McKenzie online and all your content on Formula 1? 
Yeah, so I uh, actually have a very exciting interview coming this week. It's with Irish racing driver Amy Woods. It's going to be up on my YouTube channel by the end of the week. So if you search my full name, Sarah McKenzie, on YouTube, you'll be able to find that. Um, Amy has been at races literally since she was two weeks old with her dad, Sean Woods, who is also a racer. So we had a great chat about her kind of journey so far. And we spoke about the W Series as well. Excellent stuff. Check that out online. Look for Sarah McKenzie and at Macram on Instagram as well. As ever, to our resident Formula One expert, uh, thank you very much for joining us on the Big Red Bench. And I'm looking forward to a full review of Barcelona next week. Absolutely. Thanks, sir. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork begin their 2022 Glen Dimplex All Ireland Camogie Senior Championship campaign away to Wexford this weekend. I caught up with Cork Senior Manager Matthew Toomey to get his thoughts ahead of a tough opener and to look back at Cork's amazing double extra time Munster final victory over Clare. But first, here is Cork Senior Camogie star forward Amy O'Connor who joined me on the Big Red Bench to reflect on that epic encounter with Clare and to look ahead to what will hopefully be a successful summer for the Rebels. Now, delighted to be joined here on the Big Red Bench by Cork Camogie Senior player Amy O'Connor following her side's fantastic double extra time Munster final victory over Clare last weekend and to look ahead to the beginning of the new Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Camogie Senior Championship um, away to Wexford this coming weekend. Amy, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? Very good. Thanks really for having me, Dar. It's always good to talk to you and especially after uh, quite a unique Munster final, even by Cork standards, a, a double extra time, <laughs> to 24 points to 118 victory over Clare in which you scored 10 points yourself. But you'd be the first player to admit that it took a serious team effort to get over Clare. Yeah, it was definitely a huge effort. Um, I think when the, the first extra time ended, I, I wasn't sure if it was penalties or forty fives or if it was more extra time. Um, but delighted that we, we got the win anyway, and that's the most important thing. Um, games like that, Amy, I mean, obviously you have a routine immediately afterwards that you go through and players probably to recover and get the body recovered. But for a game like that, considering how much extra you played, was it, was it even more difficult to do that? It was, but a lot of our training, we wouldn't have been training for, for quite a long time with um, the lads on the pitch and stuff. So we've kind of, you know, we've been used to, to the longer sessions and stuff. So it wasn't too bad. We're still probably recovering today. We won't do a whole pile ahead of the, the weekend, um, just ahead of the game against Westford. But yeah, we'll be fine. It was obviously, um, we were obviously rest Saturday night, but um, over the next few days, I will kind of get back to normal and, and do a bit more recovery than we normally would um, ahead of the weekend. Yeah, from speaking to Matthew Toomey as well for the Big Red Bench this week, he made the point that, look, it, it's a monster final, you want to win it, and you got the test that you were hoping you'd get from Clare. But having lost the National League final, Amy, I suppose it's important that you got through that, just even the mental process of lifting a trophy, and for the fans there as well, a real positive outcome for you heading into that championship. Yeah, definitely. I I said after the game that it was probably one of the best atmospheres I've, I've ever played, and I thought there was a huge crowd there. It was brilliant. Um. It was great to see Parky Ring so full, especially for a Camogie match. So we were delighted with that. But you're right, yeah, it was good to get the win, uh, you know, get listening to the trophy again. Um, it's obviously good for the mindset and stuff. And, and to be fair, Claire put up a huge test for us. Um, you know, it was a, a really good game. My mum said it was one of the best Camogie games she was ever at. So she was delighted with it. Um, so yeah, it was, it was definitely a tough game. Um, and But the most important thing is that we got the win in the end. Well, I'm not going to argue with that ringing endorsement uh, that you've just given or your mum gave it. Uh, it's obviously was a fantastic game and a great game to play in, I'd imagine, but also very tiring, as we said. Just one last thing on it, Amy. From I know you, you've played with her for so long, but Orla Cronin uh, coming back into the fold was a nice boost as well. Ah, uh, yeah, Orla Cronin is class. Um, so even just having her on the pitch was brilliant. 
you know, Orla sees things that other people may not see. Um, she's just a class act, but it was brilliant to get her back. And any game time now that we're looking to get her over the next few weeks and get her up to speed, um, it'll be brilliant for, for us. She's a huge addition. Um, she's been around the block a long time, even though she's still relatively young. Um, but it's great to have her back and it was good to see her on pitch. And, you know, obviously it'll be, it was probably more difficult for her. She hadn't had much game time up to, up to the weekend, but she managed superbly and she was huge for us. She, you know, she, she really lifted it when she came on. Indeed she was. No, you've won the Munster Championship and you have less than a week then to start preparing for the first of a very, very difficult group um, in the all the Glen Dimplex All-Ireland Senior Camogie Championship. Uh, you're away from home, you're playing Wexford, who are coming off a terrific season in which they've won the Division 2 league title and a team that you played right at the start of the year as well, Amy, in a challenge match. Yeah, so Wexford are a great team. and um, You know, they were probably down for a bit there over the last few years, but they've been building for the last couple of years now. Um, they were always going to kind of get back um, to where they want to be, you know, and they've a good manager in play, um, a good background team, and they're very, very good players. Um, so we do, we have a very difficult group. There's no easy game in our group at all. So we'll have to be tuned in at all times. And obviously the games are run off week on week. Um, so we'll have to definitely use our entire panel for, for the games. Uh, but in terms of Westwood, yeah, we have a huge challenge ahead on, on, on Saturday. As a player, Amy, an intercounty player and a brilliant intercounty player, is this what you want at this time of the year? Game after game after game. Obviously, training will look after itself and you've obviously a huge block of work done coming into it. And now the fact that you've been through such tough tests from Clare, that's going to stand to you as well. Yeah, I think the game will definitely stand to us from Saturday. You know, we learned a lot and we will have learned a lot from that game. Um, things that worked, things that didn't work so well, things that we can work on. So, so that test was huge for us to get that. Um, obviously we'll have to be better we know that that performance won't win us anything in the All-Ireland Championship um, so we'll definitely have to improve on that but yeah definitely week on week matches so that's why you play and the summer is hard ground you know matches week on week training kind of tends to wind down because we're kind of more focused on preparation for the games ahead at the weekend so this is why we all want to play you know it's great having the, the blocks of the training done um, but we actually haven't played a whole pile of competitive games say you know the league was quite short groups are quite small and then obviously the Munster Championship is only those two games so having these games week on week now is brilliant for us It is brilliant Amy but if you just take a step back for a second is it too condensed? I mean I know it's the same for the men's equivalent now there's a lot of question marks over whether playing an All-Ireland final in July is the done thing to do it's the same for yourselves like maybe there's scope for going on an extra month or does that start to creep back in then to the club championship in the split season which was the whole reason for doing doing this in the first place is to give the club player ample time as well once all the, the championships are done but do you feel I know you're just starting out now in the All-Ireland journey we hope it'll go all the way to the final um, you know it's going to be week on week but it, does it feel a little bit too condensed? I'm not sure I think the, the intercounty season is actually quite long in Camogie you start kind of quite early with the league um, and then there's, there's this huge gap between the end of the league kind of qualifiers and the group stages and then the the league final because there is no semi-final and then you've a bit of a gap again to the Munster um, and then obviously this year the Munster is you know just before the All-Ireland Series maybe people could argue that the, the All-Ireland Series is a bit condensed uh, but in overall I think the Camogie season is the intercounty season anyway um, it's, it's quite long um, and maybe they could look at that calendar um, but I'm looking forward to a game week on week as I said that's why you want to play you know from Thailand um, summer the hard ground um, but we'll see how we get on it might, be, it might be saying that in a couple of weeks time when we've had like four <laughs> games on the track um, but no we're all looking forward to it and yeah then, like, ultimately at the end of the day that's why we play we want to play matches and when you're not playing matches that's all you want to do um, so, so we'll see how we get on we hope that it'll be a long year for us 
Um, and yeah, over the next two weeks, we just have to, you know, mind people and manage people's roads and stuff like that. And, you know, really utilize our panel. Um, and we've quite a strong panel. So we'd be happy enough to do that. You know, lots of people played well at the weekend. And lots of younger girls coming in, new girls coming in. So we'll see how we get on. <laughs> you might ask me that question again, please, God, at the end of the season. And uh, I might have a different answer. But for now, no, I'm definitely looking forward to it. Yeah, and that's a very fair answer as well. Uh, even at this time of year, it's hard to tell. But yeah, when they come thinking faster, right, I've always wondered just for inter-county players, it's a lot that you're taking on. But it sounds like you're in good hands with that management team and Matthew Toomey. And, and just finally, Amy, it seems like there's a very nice positive buzz around that squad. I saw it myself at first hand um, when you beat Waterford at Parker in the, the, in the semi-final. Um, and even the last day in the photographs and all the social media coverage, you can see all the players taking time out for the fans. But there is a genuine buzz around this camp and a nice bond. Am I right? Yeah, definitely. We have a great panel together. We have 34, 35, 36 now on the panel, um, which is great. And, you know, everyone's putting their hand up. There's no one there that's just happy to get the top at the end of the year or the, the half of this hoodie or whatever it might be. You know, everyone is there and everyone wants to win and everyone wants to play. And there's generally a very happy and positive vibe around the camp. Um, so we're really pleased with that. And, you know, there's a good balance as well. There's there's some really young players, you know, and then there's, there's kind of the, the older crew. Um, so there's a good balance as well, but overall very, very positive. And um, hopefully things will go well for us now over the next few weeks. The older crew. I'd say you'll be questioned about that at the next training session if somebody hears that. <laughs> I'm, I'm not <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so, very good the next time we t- we speak you might identify them for me so I can bring them on I'm sure yeah. I'd like to, a response but listen Amy O'Connor thank you so much for taking time out of your very hectic schedule to speak to us here on the Big Red Bench we wish you all the best in this year's Glen Dimplex uh, Camogie Senior Championship and against Wexford this weekend all the best Thanks, On the line now, we are joined here on the Big Red Bench by the Cork Senior Camogie Manager, Matthew Toomey, following his side's fantastic double extra time Munster final win over Clare this past weekend. And uh, also looking ahead to already the first round of the All-Ireland, uh, the Glen Dimplex uh, Senior Camogie All-Ireland Championship, which begins for Cork away to Wexford on Saturday evening. Matthew, you're very welcome back to the bench. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm coming around a bit now, Dan. Thanks very much, John. <laughs> yeah, 24 points to 118 in Parky Ring last Saturday evening. For anyone that was lucky enough to be there, uh, two uh, periods of extra time needed to separate Cork and Clare. I suppose, look, you've already commented on, on, on what a fantastic effort it was from your team, but now that you've had a couple, you know, a bit of time to reflect on it, and I know you've still got a bit of analysis to do, what, was the victory more important, perhaps, than the performance, Matthew, in that, you know, this team, it just doesn't know when it's beaten? Yeah, the, the, the big, big element of that, um, we were obviously looking for performance first and foremost because I think we were starting with five of our regular starters or people who should be regular starting, I suppose. Um, so as performance, we, we kind of knew what care we're going to bring. So it was just going to be like, totally in your face kind of job. Like, but it was the character, the way they won the game was huge to us. Like, you know, we were like, dead and buried in normal time. I think it was 60 minutes, we were three points down and, to get three points in injury time is, like, you know, it's a fair feat for any team to be fair to the players. Like, but as you say, they're just never beaten. They're, they're greatest. But I, I suppose in the back of my mind, without saying it too loud, I suppose if we lost the league final, last month the final, you know, would would kind of doubts creep in. But I think there was a lot of relief after winning that game Sunday or Saturday. Just you know to have that kind of sorted as well. Now you know we can just go in and drive on to the All Ireland series. 
Indeed, you can. And as you said, look, I suppose when you're reaching uh, a National League final and a Munster final, you're doing something right. But I mean, from the winning mentality of the team, Amy O'Connor provided like 10 points for you on the day. And look, there's too many players. You can't really pick up one individual from that performance. It was a real team performance. But I would imagine from your point of view and the management team's point of view, Matthew, Orla Cronin's return to competitive action uh, was timely and she, she played a, an important role in the win. But more importantly, she got some minutes into the legs ahead of the All-Ireland Championship. Yeah, like Orla, like obviously she's just an outstanding player. Like you know, I, I've said it all week. Like she just glides around the field and she's always available for the ball. You know, so it's like it's just you not know, getting used to having her around. The, you know, we put her head up and look at her, but she's just she's brilliant. She's fantastic and a great person to have around the place. We were hoping to give her thirty minutes, but she ended up, I think, getting about sixty minutes. But um, look, she she came over with grace, and you know, she was buzzing afterwards, and just, you know, it's probably an added bonus that she came off injury free, and that were you know. We got more time into her than we hoped it, but it's it's such was now. But yeah, she's fantastic and, and like all the players, as you mentioned earlier, like Amy O'Connor was great, like but all the players, Katrina Mackey, you know, she ran herself to cramp, you know. She got the the, the point from the sixty five there at one stage, which is huge, but she got a point as well in in in, in um injury time as well. She actually cramped up and flicked the ball back between her feet and put over it was just, you know, she was outstanding as well. But look it's it's it's, there's a lot of positives. Obviously, there's a negatives in, in, in it as well. But look, we, we, I prefer to focus on the positives and we, we can work on the negatives ourselves on the training season. Indeed, you can, but you don't have much time in the week ahead because uh, it's a quick turnaround to the first round of the Glen Dimplex Camogie All-Ireland Championship. You're in a tough uh, qualifying group you're in with uh, the team you just beat, Clare, Dublin, Waterford and Tipperary. But you begin with a very tough trip away to Wexford. And this is a Wexford team, Matthew, that I know you know well and you've been watching because... They won this year's Division 2 National League, beating Antrim in the final 3-12 to 14 points. This is a serious team on the up and you're going to need to be at your best to beat them. Absolutely. like uh, We know we, we played them in a challenge match this last year and it was, it was something like the Clare game last week. They were full on in your face. They don't give them minutes to, to breathe. Like, and and um, we know exactly what they're going to bring. Kevin Tatton's doing a great job down there. In fairness to him, like, you know, he's after resurrecting them again. And um, you know, like as you know, going out to Wexford is, is you know, it won't have to work very, very hard. Like, but like we're mentally prepared for that. We know exactly what we're going to face down there. So it's just to see the players. Now, can we bring a performance to to match their, you know, their their aggression and all that? So we we have to match that, and that's what we're the, the challenge is now. And trying to get, you know, that all the players got um into the pool and swimming or into the beach and all that yesterday. So like, it's just trying to get them freshened up again. You now after having a battle like that and kind of keep the calm and working our tactics now for the week. How much of a benefit will, he, will it be for you and the management team, Matthew, to have come through such a tough test from Clare, though, um, leading into it? Huge, because like I suppose we only played one game since the, the league final, and that was against Waterford. Um, so we, we we needed something. You know, we, we did an awful lot of work in training. We did training camp as well, and all those were very beneficial. But you actually need to, to get really into the, the nitty-gritty stuff, I suppose, and we couldn't have got a bigger test than we did last week you know it was ideal but look we just have to progress from that as well and use it you know, as, a, as a springboard now into the Darlene series Indeed you will and look this Saturday uh, Cork away to Wexford in Group 1 of the Glen Dimplex Senior All-Ireland Camogie Championship their opening game in what's going to be a very very interesting group and hopefully a long and fruitful All-Ireland campaign you've certainly gotten off to a good start by winning the Munster Championship Matthew so on behalf of everybody here at the bench congratulations to you and your management team and your players and all the best against Wexford this weekend 
Thanks, Virgil. Thank you. Miss the show? Grab the Big Red Bench podcast at redfm.ie. Cork's Red FM. Cork qualified for the 2022 Munster LGFA Senior Football Championship final with Kerry, thanks to a convincing semi-final victory over Waterford in Fraher Field last weekend. I got the immediate aftermatch reaction of Cork manager Shane Ronane, Bearers Anya Terry O'Sullivan, Mornabby's Kira and Dirren O'Sullivan, and winning captain from the same Mornabby club, Maura Callaghan. Now I'm joined by the victorious Cork captain following her side's Munster semi-final victory over Waterford here in Fraher Field in Dungarvan today. Maura Callaghan, congratulations on reaching the Munster final. A good performance from Cork from start to finish? Yeah, I suppose, look, we're happy that we got the win in the end. Um, it was always going to be a bit, I suppose, nerve-wracking and, you know, we weren't sure how we'd fare after six weeks off. So, look, we're happy to have got the result we wanted and be through to the Munster final. Um, four goals and restricting Waterford to like six scores from open play I mean that's good going considering it was a lot closer in the National League earlier this year yeah definitely like I mean we're, I suppose we're happy um, for the most part how we were defensively but then I suppose we did give away a lot of frees and then it was a bit to get, for them to get the goal in the end we were a bit disappointed with that but look sure I suppose it's something we can work on over the next few weeks um, the training block that you went, underwent over the last five or six weeks was quite intense and like you eroded that now is, is a match like today just excellent from a player's point of view to get back out on the pitch and play a competitive game at the end of that block definitely yeah I mean we're all really looking forward to a competitive game and you know bring, like championship brings you on so much so like even after this game now like you can't beat it uh, the six weeks block we had was great but you know you need to see how you fare like I suppose with the nerves on top of you know and they can be quite draining too so you need to see how it, that all comes into play as well and just finally, Kerry and Killarney for a Munster final. Something to look forward to because you always have great battles with them no matter where the game is. Yeah, 100%. I mean, we've had great battles with Kerry and I'm sure in two weeks' time it'll be no different. But yeah, it's something we'll definitely be looking forward to over the next few weeks. Um, it'll be a big battle for us. Well, and congratulations from everybody in the Big Red Bench. Thanks. Joined by a two-goal hero, Ani Terry O'Sullivan, who laugh at that notion, but a very good performance by her and her Cork team in the 4 10 112 Munster semi-final victory over Waterford. First of all, Anya, uh, congratulations on the two goals, but a tough match today despite what the scoreline says. Yeah, um, thanks, first of all, and um, yeah, definitely very tough. It was, um, you know, Waterford are a very good side, and they're after, you know, we were under no illusions what they were going to bring today. Um, there was actually quite a strong breeze there as well and we had a good cushion going in at half time and I suppose it was just trying to, to keep that ticky over in the second half and I suppose we did that um, and I suppose you know, the last kind of goal there was a bit um, annoying on that side of things but sure, look, we'll take the win anyway and it was a good start for us and we'll look forward to the Munster final now in two weeks time. Um, a lot of good movement in that forward line yourself, Orla and Darren have played a lot together down through the years but today you had to be on the move because that's a, a very tough tackling Waterford defence. Yeah definitely I suppose um, we've actually played together a long time now all right, um, and we're well used to each other um, yeah, there were some good moves, but I suppose there's still plenty that we can work on too. And you know, we'll, we've two weeks now to try and you know improve on a few more things, and hopefully be firing again in two weeks' time. From a player's point of view, I mean, you know, you've been through a tough training block, as I've said to the other players, like, but getting out on the pitch and playing a fully in, a full intensity kind of championship game—that's all you really look, you look forward to, and it brings you on. Yeah, definitely. I suppose we did a good break there between the league and this game today and I suppose we played a good few challenge matches but they're obviously not the same as the championship game and I suppose we all know now with the split season and the season's going to go so quickly uh, so it was great just to get out on the pitch today and obviously to get the win as well is, is great and we've um, another match now to look forward to in a few weeks time Yeah just finally what a match to look forward to Down Killarney against Kerry on Munster final day for the men as well but I'm um, looking forward to that Ah uh, yeah definitely you know Kerry are building there the last few years they had a great win in the league final and um, you know they've 
the good win over tip as well so you know that'll be a very tough game as well and you know we'll be looking forward to heading to Kearney Irish in a few weeks time OK I'm delighted to be joined here by Mornabi duo Kira and Darren O'Sullivan following Cork's 4-10-1-12 Munster semi-final victory over Waterford and Farrerfield Kira, if I can start with you um, it's always a good day when you score four goals you could have had more you'd have uh, one shot in particular that uh, forced a fantastic save from the goalkeeper but how good was it to get a, a full kind of championship intensity game under the legs today? Um, it was great, you know, we've been looking forward to it for a long time, we've been out of the league with a good while, so we had six or seven weeks of, of hard training and we've been looking forward to this since then, so it's great to finally get out and get a championship match under our belt and yeah, scored some, well the girls scored some good goals um, and missed plenty as well, we did, so um, things to learn from, but great to get 60 minutes of championship football played. Um, Waterford are never easy opponents, it sounds like a cliche, but they really aren't and they've always given Cork tough games. But you did really well today, I think. Um, th- the six-week block of training that you've been through obviously benefited. Yeah, and I suppose I, th- I thought we started well. I thought we put massive pressure on their kickouts, you know, and we, we turned over a lot of their kickouts when they were against the wind in the first half. Um, definitely would be disappointed with our finishing. Like like you said there, I missed a goal, but I'd say the chance was kind of gone and should have probably put it over the bar at that stage. So we do have loads to work on and, you know, that there are things that we had worked on in training, so I suppose that's the disappointing aspect of it but um, I think you know we're still happy we won the match and we've a Munster final to look forward to so um, plenty of good stuff but lots to work on as well <laughs> You're very hard yourselves in this team that was a brilliant save to deny you and you played really well but thanks very much Kira. Uh, Darren O'Sullivan from your point of view um, as I said like not an easy defence to play against they hit hard and they, they get around the forwards but you managed to get through today like for 14 scores and that, that's encouraging yeah, absolutely. Look, I think ourselves and Watford know each other nearly too well at this stage. So um, the girls know what runs we're going to make. We play college football up along with them. So it is very cagey. Um, I think we were fortunate to get through for four goals today. Um, and look, we've, as Kira said, a lot to work on. Um, a few one-on-one chances missed. Um, but look, it is early. Uh, there's a long, hopefully, long campaign ahead of us. And we're looking forward to a monster final. Yeah, and this is the kind of game that brings you on a hundred, you know, really brings you on a hundredfold from despite all the training going into play the likes of Kerry. This is the kind of game you need. Absolutely, look, it brought us down to earth a small bit today. We were going very well in our six-week training block between the league and championship, nearly maybe a bit too well, and we we nearly thought we were were unbeatable. But today, um, definitely back down to reality and got a good grounding here today and going into the Kerry game. Um, you took a knock early on in the game, but you managed to shake it off. But um, like as I said, like for yourself, just to get through the full sixty minutes, big, uh, that's important for you too because you need that when you're going up against this Kerry defence. Yeah, definitely. Look, um, any time you're starting in a Cork jersey, it's unbelievable, and to get the sixty minutes, um, I'm very fortunate. And any of the girls who got the sixty minutes are delighted because we've a seriously strong bench, um, and we the lads put a massive emphasis on our panel this year. Um, you know. 15 players aren't going to win us anything we've the, the 34, 35 girls involved and you saw that there the impact off the bench Scal got an unbelievable goal when she came on and the other girls did very well as well I'm looking forward to it finally Munster final down in Killarney against Kerry on Munster final day for the men as well Yeah absolutely look and I think with Covid we've missed out on Munster championship now so it feels like we haven't played a Munster final in ages and as it, if we're familiar with Watford Kerry is is another story altogether we know each other inside out so loads to look forward to um, some great rivalry Kerry and uh, two weeks now to prepare for that uh, Delighted to be joined now by the victorious Cork manager following their 4-10-1-12 Munster semi-final victory over Watford in Fraherfield Shane Renan first of all congratulations um, uh, a good scoreline on the scoreboard but how happy are you with the overall performance of your team today? I suppose look, there's mixed feelings on it Joe. I think we, we we had high hopes coming in today we were in good form we thought um, 
look, we did a lot of good things out there. We did a lot of things we need to work on as well, I suppose. Um, so I suppose look, we're in a good position going into the final. You could've, we could have won. We could have could have won more comprehensively today, and we'd be, you know, maybe resting on our laurels going into the Munster final. So look, we've we've a lot to work on, but we are happy with lots of aspects of today's play. Um, four goals uh, against a team like that in the National League it was a different kind of game, but you won by three points. But the way you took your four goals and the fact that you created a lot more goal-scoring chances, that's something to build on. Yeah, look, we've been very happy with our forward play in the last few games and challenge games, things like that. We're creating lots of goal chances, and we, you know, I think we we, took, we got four today. We could add a few more, and I suppose, you know, even look, they were well worked team goals. I think, um, you know, I think the two of them came off wall for kickouts, which we'd be very happy about. And the last goal there, you know, we won a ball down our own defence and worked it all the way up the field, and Scally finished it. And look, I think they were good scores, but I suppose we, you know, we just need to get more. We still need to get more shots off and things like that. So look, we think we only took seven shots from play in the second half, so we'd, we'd be disappointed with that. Um, this is a Waterford team that always gives Cork problems they give a lot of teams a lot of problems because they're always well set up well organised but your defence today how happy were you not alone with the defending but the way you came out with the ball yeah look I think we used the ball very well and we got good turnovers and um, I think look we've, we've tried to work on that look there was a couple of lapses I suppose at times and look mm. in the, the last second there I think you know um I think he'd actually told uh, Darren it was Darren's kick was the last kick of the game, so I think the girls maybe had switched off. Which look they can't do either, but you know they did, and uh, I suppose they just need to to make sure and improve all those things. And I think look um, look we'll tighten up those things for the most of final hopefully, and, and make sure that those um, those errors don't creep in. And just finally on that, Kerry and Killarney, big day out. I mean, obviously for the Munster final day itself, but good for your team as well to go up against a, team, a Kerry team that did really well against Tipperary in the semi final. It's going to be a good game. Yeah, look, I think Kerry are on a crystal wave at the moment. The great win in the, in the league final against Armagh, they were very impressive that day. You know, they were big underdogs and they've showed how good they were and they've got lots of good players. And I was at the game, you know, they played against uh, Tip and they were very very comfortable, I thought. And, um, you know, I think they, they're not going to fear us going into Killarney, I suppose. Look, by the time I suppose the second half starts, you'll have a big Kerry crowd in there. And, um, you know, I think everyone will be, uh, you know, and even the Limerick crowd will probably be shouting for Kerry as well. Like, so, it, 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 look, it's going to be tough. But, um, look, we're looking forward to it. And I suppose it's it's the second step on the on, on and the ladder this year and that's I suppose that's what we're looking at hopefully we can get over the line look it'd be nice to to win that first Munster Championship in, in, in a few years but it hasn't been there obviously won with COVID and I think look it's no Munster Championship uh, win is, can be taken lightly so look we know how good they are we know we have a lot of work to do and hopefully we over the next um, look uh, 13 days we can start out a few things that we got wrong today from everybody in the Big Red Bench congratulations Shane and best luck in that final thanks very much The Big Red Bench Saturday and Sunday from 6pm This week's special guest on the Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast is Munster Women's Masters Hockey Chairperson Michelle O'Brien who joined me to recap Munster's fantastic successes at last weekend's Masters Hockey Interpros held at Harlequins and Carrie Duff now, it is a real thrill to be joined on the line here on the Big Red Bench uh, by a very special person here because this is Michelle O'Brien and she is the chairperson of the Munster Hockey Women's Masters. And uh, they had a, an interprovincial tournament that took place uh, last weekend at Gary Duff and Harlequins. And it involved five different age groups from over 35s, 40s, 45s, 50s, and 55s. And it was a full Masters Women's Interpro tournament. Um, it's a fantastic uh, idea and it's a fantastic to see that that many age groups and that many teams were involved and we're delighted to have Michelle on the line. How are you? Not too bad now, just recovering, just about. I presume that's recovering from the exertions on the pitch and nothing that was happening off the pitch, Michelle, is that correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely, always. <laughs> Everything that's on the pitch, now a little bit beforehand, the organising, but on the pitch and just have to recover after three games, umpiring two games, playing in three games. In a weekend of two and a half days, is uh, wow. yeah, you must recover. 
Very good. Now, look, it sounds like there's an awful lot of organisation goes into something like this, but for five different age groups and for interprovincials, um, it, it sounds like uh, from the reports that everything went off fantastically well. And good news for Munster as well. Absolutely. We were delighted. This is the first time that we have five different categories, nor it has been three all along, and this is the first year that they actually put five categories in. And um, we had 17 teams, 30 games, we had every one of them took off on time. There was nothing delayed, nothing, anything like that. I think we had one game that went five minutes over. <laughs> we could cope with that much, but the organisation beforehand was unbelievable. We had a lovely committee, actually, there's about eight of us on the committee, and the work for in the hockey, actually, there are five, we divide up into five provinces, not the four, we actually have five provinces. So when you're doing the interprovincial, there are five different provinces come into it. So it kind of changes everything and working out timetables and it's all in leagues and point systems and um, mm. you get your three points for winning, two for score draw, nil or one for a nil all draw and then you get nothing if you didn't, if you lost. So um, lots it, of things to do. Yeah, but it sounds like, and fair play to you and your committee for organising and mm. running it so efficiently, and that, that's what makes the tournament memorable for everybody involved in it. It's not an easy thing to do. Am I correct in saying the fifth province is the southeast? Yes, it is. Okay. Southeast. It's, yeah, it's made up kind of, we say, from Waterford over and then up into Leinster. Okay. So um, Kilkenny, um, Bexford, Waterford, um, a little bit of Dublin, they're all in the southeast area. Brilliant stuff. And like from Munster's point of view, you won three of the five tournaments, is that correct? Absolutely. And, and to be honest now, this is the first time in Masters. And Masters is about 10 years old, roughly. Mm. Um, but the Interprovincials is maybe the last five, six years. Mm. The Interprovincials have come into it every year. There's new categories, new teams, everything. But Munster have never won an interprovincial at this level in any of the Masters categories. And this year we actually won three of them. It's a unbelievable, absolutely unbelievable. With um, their 35, first time ever. And they came out, they won the tournament. Um, our 40s ended up very close, but unfortunately didn't go over the line. Our 45 won, and our 50s won. We had nobody in the 55, so we had. We competed in four categories and we won three of them. Well, that's fantastic. And isn't it just a great endorsement of how popular, and I see it myself on our podcast every week after week with Graham Catchpole, the PRO, helping us out this year, both at club, at interprovincial and international level. It has never been more popular across a wide age spectrum, Michelle, in Cork and now especially in Munster. Oh, especially in Munster. And you just said there about Cork and I was thinking about it before we started talking. And in actual fact, I thought, and I'll put my hand up and I might as well say it to everybody, I'm in the over 50s group. I'm a young one, but I'm in the over 50s <laughs> group. But in our team alone, we had players from every province of Munster. It's not a court base. Whoa. We had them from Waterford, Tip. Uh, oh, sorry, let's out Claire. Might not Claire, sorry about that. <laughs> but we had Limerick and Kerry. There's three from Kerry. There's Cork. So, like, hockey is everywhere. It's not just in the cities or anything like that. And I know the girls here in Kerry because I'm in Kerry myself. Like we travel to training an hour and a half, two hours. The girls in Limerick did the same. The girls in Waterford did the same. We came down every month, every Monday night, and we went training. And that's across the four, the four different categories. So like, left the children at home, left the husbands at home, or the partners, and right, left everything, and 
out we came and we had two hours every Monday night up in Ireland for 10 weeks. And we all, we were there, real real snow. But we were very lucky. It was very, very sunny this weekend. And it was gorgeous to play hockey. Absolutely gorgeous. Well, that's excellent. And it's fantastic to see that level of commitment because you're right about the Cork thing. I've seen it now as well um, because my daughter plays and at under 16, under 14 level, there are teams from all over Munster. And there's teams and clubs springing up in places where there may not have been hockey before. But what what is it about hockey, Michelle, that for people... In, in later years, and I don't want to age anyone here now, but for people <laughs> between the, the the 35s and the 55s, you can't play Gaelic football. You can't necessarily no. play camogie at a competitive level. But what is it about hockey? Isn't, isn't it one of the special things about the sport that you can continue to play it at a competitive level and against so many other people of the same age? Absolutely. I think actually what you just said there is about playing people the same age. Mm. I, I think it's the camaraderie. I think well, we're all young, and I'm sure you say with your daughter or anybody else that has played hockey when they're young. We compete, you 14, 16, 18, 20s. In your mid-20s, you head off and you, you know, life changes and everything happens. And what's really exciting about the Masters is that when people come back at 35, when you were very young, you learned the skills. The skills change a little bit, but the game doesn't change. It's still 11 aside. The pitch is still the same way it was. You can come out, you go back and you play with people that you have you maybe you arrival at some stage or you can go back to other clubs and everybody is accommodating and I think it's just one of those sports that um, I suppose what you're you can physically do it you can actually physically do it yes you have to be fit but you, you have to be mentally if you're in the right place at the right time you're going to intercept the ball anyway mm. we play against very young people as well when we're playing in our own league everybody as I'd say 99% of the people that play this weekend are actually playing in club hockey as well. Wow. Like they play in all the other leagues, and I'm sure without your daughter or anyone that knows hockey, there are six different leagues in Munster. But most of our players, 99% of our players, actually play in these leagues as well. So like we're playing against young children, or young adults coming through, mm. and we show them like this. Okay, you don't have to be the fastest all the time. One of the things about hockey, you just have to be cute in how you play and moving the ball around and, you know, good eye for the ball, good coordination. And it's an 11 side. You break up how much work you each person does and you can keep playing hockey. As I said, there's over 55 now and they're looking at an over 60 Irish team. Brilliant. And you can still go, and I mean, they're competitive games. They're not walking around, you know. It's a fabulous game. And definitely the camaraderie that all of us came through in schools in clubs when we were younger. Many people leave hockey for maybe 10 years. To be honest, you know, young kids, they're taking on places, they're doing all the, you know, you're taking them to all their sports, they're doing everything. And then all of a sudden, you kind of hit the 35, 40 mark and you go, hang on a minute. I can still play that game. I know how to play it. Mm. Why can't I play it? So they're back playing, which is great. Fabulous to see everybody back playing. Well, uh, all I can say is, Michelle O'Brien, it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you. You're the chairperson of the Munster Women's Masters Hockey, uh, a fantastically run and successful Masters Interpro tournament that took place this past weekend in Gary Duff and Harlequins. Um, fantastic results as well uh, from a Munster point of view, as you said, winning three out of four that you entered. But it's been lovely talking to you. And I, when the international over 60s come around, we would like to hear a bit more about that as well, because I think that's an even better idea. But listen, on behalf of everybody here in the Big Red Bench, thank you very much for your time and continued success at whatever age grade, I won't say what, whatever age grade you end up, you continue playing at. 
Thank you so much. Really appreciate this. And all I say to everybody is it's a fabulous sport and it's great to see all the women out playing. That's it for another Big Red Bench Women in Sport podcast. Remember to subscribe to the Big Red Bench on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and you can also listen online at redextra.ie. Don't forget to tune into the Big Red Bench with Rory O'Hagan, Colm O'Sullivan and guests between 6 and 7pm on the radio every Saturday and Sunday. Follow the Big Red Bench across all our social media channels as well as visiting our official website redfm.ie. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM.